0: In the magazine Voice of Martyrs, there is a story about a boy sent at four years old to become a Buddhist priest. He was involved in his studies for nine years. Eight hours a day he would study the Buddhist text, and when he misquoted something, he got hit with an iron rod. He ran away from the monastery at age 13 back to his home in Nepal. His family wasn't pleased that he'd left, but they put him in one of the local schools. He met some of the kids who offered him a Bible and taught him a little bit about Jesus. One similarity between the Bible and the Buddhist text was the concept of sin. One big difference is the concept of forgiveness. He learned about Jesus, his purpose of suffering and dying, leading to forgiveness. And he was convinced to follow Jesus. In a country with anti-conversion laws, he did not live as a secret Christian. His family was appalled that a Buddhist monk would become a Christian. He was ridiculed, and one time his four brothers beat him to a pulp. There is more to the story now that he's 18. He said, any kind of persecution is part of life. Since Jesus has borne all the persecution, compared to him, our persecution is nothing. And that's the lesson today, the bright side of Christian suffering. Christ's suffering, Christ's desire, and Christ in us. So the first point is Christ's suffering. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 Says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. What suffering did Jesus do once for our sins? Well, it's obviously the suffering on the cross, right? His death, his humiliation, his sacrifice. Sure, he suffered prior to this experience in his physical life, but what he did on the cross, him as righteous for us as unrighteous, allowed us to have the opportunity and ability to come to God through him. As we find in Scripture, Christ's death brought salvation for all who obeyed God in history, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, like the time of Noah, Ultimately, who gave Noah his words to speak? God and Jesus. Who provided the way of escape to a lost people? God and Jesus. Anyone in time who does not follow God, who are disobedient, and if you look at this context, are prisoners to their sin and Satan's will. God used a preacher of righteousness, Noah, to bring salvation. It was not Noah, was it? It was the message he shared. Ultimate salvation for Noah and his family would also come through Christ. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. What Jesus did once was in God's plan even before the foundation of the world even before the creation of mankind. And the ramification of this event helps people who had and have an obedient faith in God according to the covenant that they lived under throughout all time. Flesh is the next thought in the idea of Christ's suffering. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Christians can know what Christ's sufferings look like. We can study the idea of the the Roman flog and what that did to a body. We can study the idea of a Roman cross and what that meant to suffer on a Roman cross. We can sympathize to the idea that standing up for God's truth in a world that considers truth-tellers of God's message exiles and outcasts and sojourners may lead us to suffering. Do we arm ourselves with the same thinking as Christ? Well, Peter tells us that we should. This same type of thinking as Christ's thinking, which led him to suffer for others, for God's truth, this is something we should consider. And more than just consider, it is something we should prepare our minds for. You see, Christ's suffering is something that He shared. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, "...but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed." Homework, study, and tests. Eh, they're a form of suffering, aren't they, Owen? Not too much of fun in that. Lewis already shared that concept earlier that he didn't like that either, Owen, so it's okay. Going through these various grades and those trials can be hard for any student. But when we get that diploma, When we get that certification, those credentials, and the job and the income that come with it, we rejoice. We completed all those tasks because now we receive the the benefits or are aware of the uh, potential benefits. Now we might share in the sufferings of Christ. No, our sufferings can't be the sacrifice for others to have their sins forgiven. But they do have a purpose. Reaching the lost. Showing our dedication to Christ. Determination to stay faithful to God. And when it's all over and Christ's glory is truly revealed, you will rejoice and be glad that you understand the nature of Christ's sufferings and why it's so important in a world that's fallen. The second point is Christ's desire. Christ had great patience. God has great patience. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Because they formerly did not obey. This is referring to the time of Noah. When God's patience waited in the time of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved. I hope you know by now that God is very patient. If it wasn't true, you would have been take, your life would have been taken a long time ago. Years and years, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. The preaching for people to turn away from evil, to follow God, and in their case, to get in the heart. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. Christ's desire is to let people out of this spiritual prison that we are under because of sin, that the world is under because of sin. How does he do this? By sending them his message. To be in a spiritual prison is to be lost. And Jesus came, according to Luke 19.10, to seek and to save who? The lost. One bright side of Christian suffering is that we know what it is for people to be lost. Because we weren't physically born in this world saved, meaning that we didn't need Christ eventually. We come to the idea as we grow older in sin that we are lost. And under the Christian covenant, we come to the decision to follow Christ with an awareness that we're lost. We know what it's like to be lost. So let's be patient for those people who are lost, helping others come out of the prison they are in. Christ's desire is to follow the will of God, 1 Peter 4, verse 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? The will of God, human passions. Which one wins? Well, it might be dependent upon do you have the same desire as Christ has? Christ was very good living according to the will of God. He was totally dependent on the Father when he lived as a man. From early on, he knew he needed to be about his Father's business, right? Age 12, Matthew chapter 2, verse 49. And then his ministry began and its purpose was to follow the will of God. Christ never sinned, but Christ suffered a lot. He denied his personal desires of the flesh that would have led him astray. He needed God's constant stream of love and guidance. He knew better than to give in to worldly passions. So his desire is for us is to forsake worldly passions. Does does Christ desire us to do something that we can't do? People who have chosen not to live for Christ relish worldly living. They enjoy things like sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. They enjoy it so much that they make you suffer for not joining with them. But Jesus showed that in his desire to live according to God's will, there is no shame. And there's no shame in the suffering that comes from it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. Remember, shame carries different weight in different types of cultures. We are the body of Christ in a small congregation. Our Christian culture carries a lot of community concepts. If a brother or sister goes to jail or is fined for abiding God's teachings, should we shame him as the body? Might for a wayward Christian who chooses not to live according to God's truth? No. Should a person have shame for facing some unrighteous punishment? No, but they might feel that way. As Lilith brought up, since she was in the catacombs in Rome once, I don't think there would be a lot of excitement being in those cold caves around all the the dead. For some Christians who might be new to it, why are we hiding? Why are we there? That's shameful. Lift the message of Christ with an upright face wherever you are and glorify God. There is no shame in following God. There is no shame in standing up for the truth wherever you're at, whether you're suffering or not. Those in the household of God have been judged and we've been found wanting. Why? Because once we were without Christ, but through Christ we have passed from judgment into life. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. But we were at a judgment, weren't we? Because we recognized we were lost without Jesus' blood covering us. But we are no longer under that judgment, but we were judged and we have passed from that to life but the world is lost they're still looking forward to that time of judgment and it's a critical thing that they recognize it they don't have the sufferings of Christ covering their sins 1 Peter chapter 4 16 through 17 Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Well, they'll remain under judgment, won't they? They will remain in prison having heard the message of Christ, but never obeying. They never chose to be true exiles in this world. So the third point, Christ in us. The bright side of Christian suffering. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, referring back to the discussion with Noah, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Immersion into Christ is not a ritual. It's a plea. And a genuine plea is a real moments of clarity for mercy. Baptism is that moment for a person in spiritual prison to receive forgiveness at least according to the new covenant in Christ found in Scripture. The time of Noah was also a plea moment, was it not? It was a plea by God for people to listen, repent, and obey. It was also a plea to rid the world of evil. Noah's flood just didn't clean the face of the earth of evil. It decimated it. The water was death to the unrepentant, but to the obedient, it was life. And Jesus is the reason why life is offered to those who plead for mercy. Christ is in us. We can understand what Peter meant in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. Verses 37 through 38. Should have had that marked. Acts 2, 37 through 38. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What are they doing? They're pleading for mercy. They're not saying, what kind of ritual can we do in this life that looks good? They're pleading for mercy. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Do you see Noah reaching out to the lost going, Repent and obey! Do you see Jesus reaching out to the lost? Repent and obey! You're under judgment right now! Do you want to be out of it? Forgiveness of sins is at your ability... If you choose to obey. And those who do, guess what? Persecution is coming. Suffering is on its way. But it's a good thing because we can glorify God in it and receive our reward eventually. Cease from sin. There he goes again, telling us that we can do something that we think is impossible. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. Let's find out what he means by that. And as they were, well, I'm back in Acts. Let's go back to 1 Peter. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. A tough passage. I don't know about you, but I'm still struggling with sin. What does it mean? What does it mean? Does it mean I haven't suffered in the flesh? No. But if I do suffer in the flesh for Christ, what am I learning to live without? My human desires, my human passions. I'm sacrificing one for the other. I am putting my commitment in Christ in action. I am no longer desiring to live in the flesh, though I do sin. I am choosing to suffer for what I believe. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and if you want to go to heaven, you need to follow Him and not the world. I am choosing to live for the will of God. That's part of the context. Over and above my own passions. You see, we can live in the Spirit. This carries the idea of giving up worldliness. We can live and suffer for God's truth. When Christ lives in you, you can suffer for Him. You can suffer for His body. You won't need to be ashamed to live your life for Him and share His truth. There is no shame in sharing His his truth there might be persecution and suffering but there is no shame so we can glorify God 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 16 I'm getting older guys I can't see the words yet if anyone suffers as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in that name The bright side of Christian suffering, whether it be from the government, other religious people, Satan, or family and friends, I know God and Christ are pleased with me. Is there anybody else that you want pleased with you more than them? I can glorify his name, I can praise him with my whole heart. If you are insulted in the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 14. Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. 1 Peter 4:19. The lesson is, bright side of Christian suffering. And there is a beautiful bright side to it. First point, Christ's suffering was done once in the flesh, and He shares it with us who follow Him. Two, Christ's desire is one of patience for a lost people. To follow the will of God, to have no shame and following Him. And three, Christ in us starts with our immersion into Christ. Desire to live following Him. In so doing, let's glorify God in every step of our life with heads held high knowing that He truly loves a lost people who are under judgment. And He wants us to love them too. Let's look at the bright side of Christian suffering. If there's anybody here today who has any concerns or prayer requests or or anything else you would like to share with the body...